Thessalonians 5, verses 25 through 28. 1 Thessalonians 5, verses 25 through 28. Listen now to the word of God. 1 Thessalonians 5, starting in verse 25. Brethren, pray for us. Greet all the brethren with a holy kiss. I charge you by the Lord that this epistle be read to all the holy brethren. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you. Amen. My friends, today we come to the second of three parts, a three-part message on the duties or duties of holiness, in which Paul and Silas and Timothy exhort the Thessalonians with regard to duties of holiness. Of course, we're looking at these last few verses, then, of this Pauline epistle, the Apostle Paul, Pauline epistle, Paul's letter along with Silas and Timothy, to the, uh, uh, to the uh, church here at Thessalonica. Now the focus on these last few verses is on various duties of holiness. And of course when we talked about holiness, I want to emphasize once again that we were, what we are talking about fundamentally is that we are set apart unto God. That's what it's all about. So children, I want you to think about that a moment. Obviously, when we're holy, we're supposed to be pure, morally speaking. But fundamentally, we are to be pure because we are set apart unto God. That's the point. We are His people, His special people. And therefore, we are, because we are a holy people, we are to engage in holy activities. And then, of course, there will be a special blessing at the end of this, in verse 28, the benediction. Well, prayer is one of those challenging duties. We looked at that last week. It is indeed a duty. And yet, as we noticed last week, it is so much more than a mere duty. It is conversation with God. It is conversation with God. It is pouring out our hearts before God. It is a means of grace, that is to say, a vehicle by which the Spirit works in our hearts. And my friends, it is a method by which the world can be changed. The effectual, fervent prayer of a righteous man avails much. And so last week then, we considered... In verse 25, very small verse, one of the shortest verses in the Bible, brethren, pray for us. And now we come, secondly, to the salutation, which is just a, a fancy way of saying the greeting. A fancy way of saying greeting. Greeting, saying hello, if you will. So, what does verse 26 tell us? First of all, it says, Greet all the brethren. Greet all the brethren. 
The verb is haspazomai, which means to grieve, <coughs> to draw to oneself, to clasp, to embrace. It occurs 48 times in the epistles of the New Testament. 48 times it appears. But notice something interesting. It is indeed a command. It is a directive. It is a command. In other words, it is a duty. In the same way that we are told, brethren, pray for us, that's a command. Even so, it is also a command to greet, to greet the brethren, to greet the brethren. Now, this greeting, then, of the brethren, this greeting of the brethren, means consciously, that is to say, with thought, consciously, it means consciously to recognize that person with both words and deeds, with both verbal and physical signals. So, in other words, this is not simply a flat hello. Mm. Now, that's part of it. And it's good to say hello, but it's going to be more, as we will see, it's going to be more than simply a flat hello. Rather, it indicates a warmth and love and affection for the other person. And furthermore, communicating that, conveying that, in a way that is unmistakable, so that you can't miss it. That's the point. Greet all the brethren. Greet all the brothers. And so the brethren, as we've noticed before, means not just the males, not just are the brothers, but rather the sisters as well. The church consists of brothers and sisters in a family. We're a family. The church is a family. It is the family of God. We've been adopted into God's family. And so we belong to, to one another. Do you know how many times, there are numerous times, I can't tell you how many right now, but in the New Testament, how many times there are there is this expression, all the one another passages. One another. In other words, we are all, all the times that you know the Apostle Paul will talk about we are, you know, the, the one another's, right? And that's what you have here. We are all in this together. And indeed, one of the reasons why we are all in this together is because we are heirs together with Christ. We, are, we inherit the kingdom with Christ. One other thing I want you to note with regard to this greet, greeting, notice what it says, greet all the brethren. Greet them all. Why? First of all, there is a wonderful unity to the body of Christ. There is a wonderful 
unity to the body of Christ. For the body has a warm, wonderful warmth and love. And so, I mean, just think about it for a moment. Just think about your own body. You have warmth, right? You have warmth. And, of course, you care about your own body, right? You don't cut off your hand or anything like that, right? You care for your body. You stub your toe, you're going to be hurting. And so the, the, the body has a wonderful warmth and love in terms of being the body of Christ. And in that regard, there is a mutual feeling. Again, if you stub your toe, you don't say, well, that's just my toe, or I slammed my, my finger in the door, you ever done that? Car door, perhaps? Yeah, I've had that a couple of times. It's not fun, is it? But you don't say, oh, well, that was just my finger. No, your whole body is hurting. And so that's why, you see, Paul here is saying, when he says, greet all the brethren, he is indicating, there, partly at least, because of the wonderful <clears throat> unity to the body of Christ. But more than that, I want to focus one more time on this idea of all. In other words, he doesn't say, greet all the brethren that you like. Doesn't say that, does he? Whether you like the individual or not, you're supposed to greet the person. Now, we may have some friends, some people in church that we're more friends with than others, and that's sort of natural, I suppose, but we should never get to a point of saying, well, I like these people, but these other people I don't really like, and I'm not going to have that much to do with them. So that attitude would not be appropriate, would it? <clears throat> Furthermore, the all means no matter what ethnicity or socioeconomic background doesn't matter the ethnicity, doesn't matter what race, doesn't matter what, what your background is. Greet all together, if you will, because we are all in this together. And so Paul says, greet all the brethren. And then we come to the second part of this verse, where he says, greet all the brethren with a holy kiss. Hmm. This is interesting, isn't it? Well, the first thing we want to note in this regard is that greeting people with a kiss was a common cultural practice. It was common, and we still see this in certain places in the world. If you're in France, uh, for example, it wouldn't be unusual for men to kiss each other on the cheek. It's okay. It's all right. There's nothing wrong with that. There's nothing inappropriate. There's nothing sexual about this. Okay, This is just the way of expressing love and affection for that other person. Genesis 27. We read, And his father Isaac said unto him, Come near now and kiss me, my son. Nothing wrong with this. Nothing inappropriate. This is not sexual. We'll get to that in a minute. Nothing wrong with this. This is the same way. How do we express affection today? We might hug a person. Or we might shake hands with a person. 
1 Samuel chapter 20, Jonathan and David kissed one another and wept one with another. Proverbs 24, 26, every man shall kiss his lips that gives a right answer. Luke 15, the parable, the parable in Luke 15, the parable in Luke 15 of the prodigal son, we read, he ran and fell on his neck and kissed him. And in Acts chapter 20, we read that the church from Ephesus, the Ephesian elders, wept sore, wept greatly, and fell on Paul's neck and kissed him. Okay, so kissing is something that has been done in other cultures as a sign of, of affection, as a common cultural practice. But notice what Paul says here. Greeting, greet them with a holy kiss. With a holy kiss. This is a phrase that is found in Paul's writing, particularly towards the end of the various letters. Romans 16, we read today. Romans chapter 16. Greet one another with a holy kiss. 1 Corinthians, 1 Corinthians chapter 16 and verse 20, all the brethren greet you, greet one another with a holy kiss. 2 Corinthians 13, 2 Corinthians 13 and verse 12, greet one another with a holy kiss. And also in 1 Peter 5 verse 14, and this may help to explain it more, Greet one another with a kiss of charity or a kiss of love. So what do we mean by this phrase, by this term, holy kiss? First of all, it is in contrast, listen children, it's in contrast to Judas's kiss. You remember Judas, the traitor? Mm -hmm. Judas, who betrayed Jesus? How did, he, how, how did he identify who Jesus was? How did he identify him to the soldiers that had come to arrest Jesus? He kissed him so that people would identify who Jesus was so he could be arrested. The kiss of Judas. So it's not Judas's kiss that we're talking about here. The kiss of betrayal. It's not a harlot's kiss, a prostitute's kiss. Proverbs 7. And it is not anything, listen children, it is not anything that is lustful or inappropriate. It does not refer, a holy kiss does not refer to a sexual kiss. But it does have reference to the saints, that is, to the holy ones, those of us who have been set apart by God. It does have reference to something that is morally pure, not that is sexual, not that is sinful, but something that is morally pure, and it does have reference to a true love and devotion. Now, does this mean, listen to me carefully, does this mean that we must literally kiss each other on the cheek when we come to church? No, no it does not. Okay? We must distinguish, listen to me carefully, we must distinguish between the command and the particular 
circumstance. You know what John in John 13, you know what Jesus said? He, he remember when he washed the disciples' feet? He washed the feet of his disciples. And there are some churches that uh, will practice foot washing as a, uh, as a practice. But Jesus doesn't say do what he did in washing feet, but rather to do as he has done. To do as he has done. What was he doing? He was showing humility. He was showing compassion by washing the feet of the disciples. And even so here, we can say that greeting one another with a holy kiss was something that was appropriate, particularly to that time period and to that culture 2,000 years ago. So we don't necessarily, literally, have to kiss one another on the cheek to fulfill this command. But what we do have to do, and this is what we'll talk about in just a moment, what we do have to do is to show love and compassion and warmth towards others. So I have four points of application, and the first is this. Avoid coldness and harshness toward your brothers and sisters. Avoid coldness and harshness toward your brothers and sisters. In other words, don't be sarcastic or treat someone with contempt. Don't be sarcastic or treat someone with contempt. Furthermore, don't try to avoid members of the church. Don't try to avoid members of the church. Now, if you, let me be very clear here. If you don't want to touch someone, in other words, to show, to, to greet someone, including whatever would be the appropriate way in our society of showing affection for someone, if you don't want to do that, there is already a problem. And it is quite likely that, in other words, there's already a division there, right? You can tell. I mean, think about this. Are there people, are there people in your life that you don't want to interact with? If there are, there's a problem, right? There's a, there's a rift there. There is animosity there, is there not? There is discomfort there. And when that is true in the church then you've got a problem already in the church. So avoid coldness as well as harshness toward your brothers and sisters if you don't want physically to touch, even if it's just, even if it's just a handshake or, or maybe a tap on the, the shoulder or the elbow. If you recoil from that, there's already a problem of not having proper love and affection for that person. That's number one. Number two, appreciate the blessing of genuine fellowship. Appreciate the blessing of genuine fellowship. You see, church is not a place to get lost in the crowd. Now, of course, it's lost in the crowd, right? But in general terms, it's not a place to get lost in the crowd. 
Indeed, the church consists of real people, not disembodied spirits. We're not little spirits running around here. We have bodies, do we not? We are flesh and blood. We are flesh and blood. Think about this. When we are happy, when we are happy, we laugh and we smile. That's how we show we're happy, right? We laugh and we smile. When we're sad, we cry. When we are open to someone, we extend our hand or even engage in a holy kiss. You see, it is important for us to see, to hear, and to touch others. It's important. The church, you see, in terms of this genuine fellowship, the church is a place for ministry to the hurting. It's a place for ministry to the hurting. Sometimes even by the simplest of things, by just reaching out and just touching the person on the hand, on the shoulder, on the elbow. Sometimes even the simplest of gestures. Indeed, the church is a place for hugging, is it not? Now, this physical nature of the church is one of the reasons why the church must gather. The church, you see, we're not disembodied spirits, but we engage in worship together. That's why that's important for us to meet in person as much as we possibly can. We do so in a context of warmth and love. We do so in a context of warmth and love. And when the church, my friends, is told by the civil government not to meet, the church must obey God rather than man, or else we cannot follow the commands of Scripture, including <clears throat> greeting all the brethren with a holy kiss. So, appreciate the blessing, then, of genuine fellowship. Thirdly, acknowledge the need to kiss the Son of God. Acknowledge the need to kiss the Son of God. We must embrace Jesus Christ and give ourselves to him heart and soul. In doing so, we must avoid kissing those of the world. This is certainly true in a romantic way, not being unequally yoked with those who are at war with our Savior. And so we don't want to act like a traitor by embracing those with views that are contrary to the gospel. We must acknowledge the need to kiss the Son, in the words of Psalm 2, to kiss the Son, that is to say, to embrace Him, to love Him, to adore Him, again, not in a sexual way, obviously, but to show our, our dealings with Him, who is the Son of God. And fourthly, we must affirm both the love and the truth. When I pastored uh, Affirmation Church up in New York, 
Our motto was a caring church affirming the truth. A caring church affirming the truth. The truth, then, is essential and foundational, but, my friends, love is also necessary. Truth that is clothed with love, that is an unbeatable combination as a witness to the world. And one of the ways in which we show this love to one another is by means of this kiss of charity, this kiss of love, this physical, not sexual, but physical affection that we show to others. And so that too then, just like praying, this too, my friends, is a duty of holiness. Greet all the brethren with a holy kiss. Amen. Will you please stand for prayer? And our Father, we do thank Thee for Thy grace and Thy mercy. We do thank Thee, Lord, for the way in which Thou hast called us and soul. We have been called by Thee. And we thank Thee, Lord, for the church, the visible church of the Lord Jesus Christ, where we can see and hear and even touch each other. We pray, Father, that we might demonstrate our love and compassion for others in the body. Even as we pray for one another, so, Lord, give us the grace to greet one another with a holy kiss. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.